0: This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey.
0: Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy Now France is bracing itself for fresh demonstrations against Emmanuel Macron's contested pension reforms next week They're due to kick in testing the president's handling of a backlash that has spiralled into a political crisis. Uh, Tomorrow, Tuesday, there will be protests and a, a strike has been called by the unions. Last Thursday, a million people turned out on the streets to protest and France, if you looked at television pictures only, it looked as if France was on fire. And when the French get angry in this way, it's dangerous. The issue here is pensions. Macron wants to raise the pension age from 62 to 64. He has managed to get legislation through the Parliament, but not to find favour with the people. It's a pleasure now to welcome uh, the Irish Times Paris correspondent, Lara Marlowe, to the stand. Lara, it's great to uh, have you to talk about this story. 66 is the retirement age here, and they're trying to push it up to 68. Uh, What what are are we to make of this eruption of violence, really, and some of it quite serious?
2: Um, Good question, Eamon. Uh, the, the, The French say just because all of our European neighbors are working longer and longer, doesn't mean we have to. Why should we follow the others like Lenin's. Um I, I was on Al Jazeera English with a, uh, a trade unionist uh, over the weekend who said, um, yes, we are living longer. This is one of Macron's main arguments. But why should we give those extra years to the state or to our employers? We, we want to enjoy those extra years. Uh, and, and I think that the attitude towards work is really the root of this. Uh, in the English speaking world, by and large, people feel like work is an integral part of their life and it's something that they, they can hope to enjoy. Uh, they, although nobody obviously always enjoys their work. Uh, whereas in France, work is considered some kind of, of blight or torment. Yes. <laughs> the, the attitude is is really that your your real life starts when you retire? When you 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 retire at, um, as early as you can, and many people do. Many people here retire in their fifties, uh, and then you can go on cruises and see the world, and go to museums and the cinema, and have picnics and and yes. play patonk or boule with your friends, and and so on and so forth. So it's it's just a completely different attitude towards uh, towards work. Um, it's also, um, trammeled up with the attitude towards the state and their rulers and especially Macron. Yes. Um, I, I, they, I think a lot of people think of Macron as sort of their boss. They don't like his attitude. They don't like the way he talks down to them. Uh, a huge majority of, of working class people, polls show, feel that they are not respected, feel that they are talked down to, that that the the ruling class is contemptuous of them. And, you know, over and over and over again, I've seen the French elect a president, thinking that he would be a sort of providential figure, a savior. And then uh, they turn against him very, very quickly. And it's interesting, the first time I ever met Emmanuel Macron back in 2013, when he was an advisor to François Hollande, uh, he had lunch with uh, the Presidential Press Association, which I'm an active member, and he was just an economics advisor at the time. He said, the French, and I, I went back and reread read my notes, of course, when he became president in 2017, he said, the French... Uh, elect a monarch, and then they want to behead him. Yes, And I'm afraid (laughs) that's where we are now.
0: Yes, well, as you know, I spent a lot of time in France over the last 40 years and had a home there, uh, indeed. And I remember Nicolas Sarkozy, when he was president, and I think they're persuading the French to be globalized, as it were. Sarkozy proposed that when they'd done their 40 hours or whatever it was every week, the mandatory working time, that any overtime they worked would be allowed to be taken tax free. And a young mm-hmm. barman in the Hotel Normandy, which is a very nice hotel in, in, in I I said, That's great news. I said, uh, He said, No, he said, It's not news for me. I won't be doing it. Um and I said why? <laughs> he said, "Well, you know, I kind work. I work to live. I don't live to work." And he didn't do it. No. And many people didn't do it. And I, uh-huh. that sort of attitude, as you've just outlined it very vividly, is still an essential part of French character.
2: Oh, very much so. In, in fact, uh, this morning, the CGT, the Communist Trade Union, has blocked the entrance to the Louvre. Yeah. And uh, the demonstration is all out in front of the museum. And one of their banners says, We won't back down. And the other banner says, Retirement at 60, work less to live more.
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: uh, in other words, working is not living. Uh, yes. And this is very much the attitude uh, when Francois Mitterrand made 60 the official retirement age back in 1981, it was seen as enormous social progress. Yes. And that was raised to 62 by Sarkozy uh, in 2010, with great, great difficulty, as Macron is encountering. Uh, but he, the French feel that they're visionary, that they're ahead of the pack, and that they, they must uh, do this. Now, there are a lot of people who, who believe that they must work longer, including Basically, the, the right wing, the, um, conservative party, the Républicains, who have not supported Macron because they, they hate him for destroying their party, basically. Uh, but all of the, I would say, the, the, the white collar, liberal economic, uh, go getter dynamic, uh, banking and finance types, who, of which Macron is very much a, a representative. Yes. Those people do believe that France should, should raise the retirement age, but they are in a minority, and between two thirds and three quarters of the population in opinion polls, have consistently said they are against this reform and they are especially against the way that Macron has rammed it through without a vote in the National Assembly.
0: Yes, and uh, last Thursday there were a million people on the streets. We've all seen, what people who watch news bulletins will have seen, for example, uh, the rubbish that has built up in Paris due to uh, strikes burning, Also very serious trouble elsewhere in the country uh, and physical clashes between police and uh, protesters. And more is on the way tomorrow, Tuesday.
2: Uh, I fear you're right. I mean, one one would hope that uh, it might be calm. Some of the demonstrations have been calm, but they are getting worse and worse and worse as it goes on. And uh, la- the night from Thursday to Friday of last week was, was just incredible. There were 903 fires started in Paris alone. And people are they're burning the rubbish piles. They're also uh, burning newspaper kiosks. Um, it, 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 you said a million on the street. That's the official figure. Um, it may have been a lot more. The, the trade unionists claim it's over three million, but it's in, in that range anyway. Uh, yes, it's, it's very frightening. And the worst thing is that there's, there's no end in sight, really. Um, the government today is saying calm, calm, calm. Uh, they're trying to make, they're making small gestures, but they're saying, uh, you know, we want to talk. But they're not changing. They're refusing to even reconsider or in any way, um, you know, change the, the 64 retirement age. And Laurent Berger, who's head of the, the biggest trade union, the CFTT, has said he's not going to talk about it until they suspend uh the 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 rise to age sixty four. Right. So he wants a six month suspension. So that doesn't seem to go be going anywhere. There's a meeting actually as we speak, Eamon, at the A, between Macron, his cabinet ministers and his party. And they're talking about ways to calm things down because it's it's got very, very bad, and There was a very violent uh, episode over the weekend uh and a demonstration by environmentalists against a huge reservoir for intensive agriculture and there's a thirty year old man between life and death in the hospital. There were dozens of gendarmes injured, Uh, the the opponents to this uh, reservoir claim there were 200 people. 200 demonstrators injured and now there's a lot of talk about should the police be reformed because the police violence which we're seeing has been condemned by the Council of Europe and yes. also by the Human Rights League in France. There have been five people mutilated in, in um, just two weeks. I mean, one woman lost her thumb uh, in in Rouen, uh, and it's only a question of time if this continues until someone is killed. Um, there have been two people killed in France in the last five years, and if this young man, uh, who was injured in the weekend does not survive, as, as looks to be the case, that will be three people killed in police violence, and that is a that has happened nowhere else in Europe. There's nothing comparable to that in Europe.
0: Yes, and I just uh, note in passing that the visit by King Charles uh, has been postponed and uh, this was another attempt to improve relations between Britain and France but what i would ask you uh, Lara is about how dangerous something like this a moment like this can be in in France i mean this is the fifth republic i saw a headline at the weekend uh, in one of the quality english papers saying the Sixth Republic, and with a question mark, mm. can this is very, when it gets to this stage in France? I mean, that's how the goal arrived, mm-hmm. isn't it? Uh, I think 1964 or 1968, the great uh, demonstrations. Was, oh, the
2: 68, in 1968, there was what they call the, the May Revolution. Yes. Uh, in which the students and the trade unions uh, joined forces and really brought France to its knees. De Gaulle actually flew to Germany to see General Massu, and nobody knew where he was for a day. Um It it, it, it terrified the, the bourgeoisie. Uh, and then there was a pro-De Gaulle demonstration on the Champs-Élysées, which more than a million people turned out for. So there were obviously two different Frances, the ones who were hurling paving stones at police and the ones who were demonstrating on behalf of law and order and, and yes. General de Gaulle, and that that's what ended it. But it was very, very bad, and the, many of the things we're seeing now, um, you know, the violence between the police and the demonstrators, uh, rubbish uncollected, and, and so on, and it, it almost feels as if France were programmed to re- repeat Eternally, this scenario, it's as if they were reenacting over and over and over again the 1789 revolution, yes. as if it were in, in their their DNA somehow. Um, and yes, people talk about a sixth republic. Uh, we are in the fifth republic, but de Gaulle deliberately gave uh, monarchical powers to the president because he distrusted political parties and because under the preceding fourth republic, uh, the country was more or less paralyzed because they had coalition governments and the, the parties in the National Assembly couldn't agree on anything. It's very, very difficult to reach consensus on anything in this country. The French just don't do consensus. So de Gaulle wanted one man to decide and that would be the president. Uh, and the problem is now people very much resent Macron. They see him as a top-down a ruler who who is very contemptuous of them, and uh, it's become to a, a total impasse at the moment, uh, and it is not clear how they'll how they'll get out of it.
0: And also there are polls that show Marine Le Pen's uh, popularity and the par- mm. popularity of her party rising by seven percent, and other uh, Melichon, the socialist, and his party, also rising in the polls knowing the French as well as you do, Lara I don't know them as well as you do, nobody does but the the whole idea of globalisation and yeah. what it means was always going to be a hard sell in France is it right to see this as yet another example of France resisting the globalised ideas?
2: Yeah. Yes, I think you're right. I mean, the the fact that they reject the argument that France must do this because all of its neighbors are doing it yeah. uh, is one example. I mean, there is an element of, of, of sort of willful ignorance, the fact that uh, in the, the 1960s, there were four people working to support every old-age pensioner, yes. and now it's less than two people. You know, and people say, well, uh, Macron says this. Is, we can't go on this way. It's just, it's it's just not affordable. Uh, but then his opponents point out that uh, at the moment the the pension regime is um, is in, in balance. It's it's not in debt, and the prediction that it'll be 10 billion euro a year in debt in a decade. Well, if they say 10 billion euro isn't really that much. He gave 17 billion euro to calm the Gilets Jaunes, the, yes. the um, Yellow Vest demonstrators. And, you know, spent far more than that on, on COVID measures and so on and so forth. And they're saying, you know, the French companies, especially the, the energy companies, also the luxury companies. And and the the biggest one is a, a a big transport company. They're earning huge amounts of profits, but tens of billions of euro in profits. And the, the answer of the street is always, well, tax the rich. And Macron doesn't want to tax. The rich, because he thinks it will be a disincentive to investment. There will be capital flight. Um, he's very proud that France has, has broken records for foreign direct investment under his, his rule, but he is very much a globalized leader. He believes yes. in globalization. That's what the EU is about. And, and the French have always been recalcitrant. And, and resisted uh, globalization. And, and yes, you're absolutely right, And This is just another example of that. They, they don't like globalization. They think it's dragging them down, that it's a race to the bottom.
0: Yes, and, and I agree with them. And from my own observations, I mean, just for a, an example, there's a wonderful market in Deauville, which is a small town in, in Normandy, and the people the market's four days a week and people come with their produce and I mean it's uneconomic in a sense that you can maybe go in the supermarket uh, down the road and get things cheaper but it's a wonderful yeah. civilizing experience to walk around to know the people who have grown the the fruit or the pe- potatoes that you're buying and this aspect of life can be wiped away in a globalized world. And in fact, it doesn't exist in Ireland. So there is mm-hmm. a charm and a, hum- a, hu- a humanity almost that's mm-hmm. priceless in that. Is that really what France is trying to preserve or what some in France are trying to preserve?
2: I would say, Eamon, that, that it's more than charm. Um, the produce that you buy in the local market, yes. which is locally produced, yes. tastes better, Yes. I mean, the, the, I have a problem that the fruit and vegetables that I buy in the supermarkets are, are, are awful because they're not ripe. They're being flown in by and yes. large from, from abroad. Um, and it's something like 40% of all of the, the produce in France now is imported. This was pointed out quite recently that, uh, you know, it, it the, the whole theme of the country being something being wrong and not working properly and so on. I mean, it's insane because this is an agricultural country. And it also, for climate change and own professors to, to be a, a climate warrior, um, flying uh, fruit and vegetables from, you know, South America and, and Africa and uh, yes. all over the world, uh, is, is destroying the planet as well. Yes, uh, so it's not just for the the charm. It's for it's for uh, well being of, of consumers and and for um, to save the, the the climate to fight global warming. There are a lot of good reasons, and and I think that this we started to see this during the COVID lockdowns that that people were consuming locally instead of driving you know miles to the huge supermarkets and yes. so on because they, because they weren't allowed to, uh, and so so that. maybe a good thing, Uh, but that's that's part of the overall picture, and that's what the French public, uh, French opinion, is saying we don't want to be part of the globalized world, and that's certainly what Marine Le Pen says, and that unfortunately is part of her appeal. And uh, Macron uh, is said by his entourage to be very much afraid that he will be succeeded as president by Marine Le Pen, and he doesn't want his legacy to be that he was the first French president to usher in uh, rule by the the far right, by the extreme right. And at the moment, if if this goes on and if some kind of reasonable solution isn't found to the crisis over the pension reform, I I think Marine Le Pen stands a very, very good chance of, of succeeding Macron as president.
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
0: What will happen next, do you think, Lara? That There doesn't seem to be a halfway house between what Macron as a globalist wants and what the people in the towns and villages and indeed in the cities want. In France, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. they haven't bought into something that almost the rest of Europe has, including Ar- the Ireland, very much so.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens? Next? Well, we're we're waiting for a decision by the Constitu- constitutional council on the constitutionality of the pension reform law. <clears throat> if that is, that council is run by Laurent Fabius, a former um, yes. prime minister, socialist Prime Minister, or nominally socialist, anyway. Um, if he finds the law, or, and his council find the law unconstitutional, that might actually calm things down. It would be a huge slap in the face to Macron, but it might stop the riots and, and so on. Uh, if, on the other hand, the law is upheld, Um, some people think that with the summer, the riot, the the demonstrations and strikes and everything will fade away because people want to take their holidays and uh, when the weather is nice, they're they're less keen to go out and, you know, set fire to things and so on. Uh, That is what happened with the Gilets Jaunes, except that it started up again in the autumn. Uh, And the the real question is, Macron is wagering that the demonstrators will, will get tired, and, and the trade unionist, and that because times are hard, inflation is very high, um, they can't afford to keep going on strike and to keep demonstrating because they, they no longer get paid on strike days, as, as was once the case. Um, I'm not sure he's right. I mean, he certainly sense great determination amongst amongst the demonstrators. Uh, it could drag on for months and months. Uh, as the Gilets Jaunes, for example, lasted for over a year and only ended because of the COVID lockdown. Yes. Uh, so this could go on for a very long time. We're at the 10th national protest day already. Um, and I, I, I think with the Gilets Jaunes, it went into the 20s, the number of, of national strike days. There's a sphere, and Laurent Verger, the trade union leader, said uh, today, that sooner or later somebody's going to get killed, I and mean, yes. we we're, we're, we're very close to that now, and there will be a tragedy and and that's irreversible and and what how ha- what's happened in the past is that when somebody gets killed, they become almost a martyr and it becomes a cost and and it, and it yes. increases the the anger even more uh and and I think that's the fear is that something irreparable will happen uh, and and nobody knows what what that event will be, but we're we're on the brink of it now.
0: Yeah, and Macron is in a curious position, Lara. You referenced he was an advisor to Hollande, uh, the socialist, uh, so-called socialist um, president of France, Francois Holland. But he's never been a socialist, and he hasn't. He didn't run as a socialist in the two attempts to be president, successful attempts, I should say. He's a kind of a man with no party and no ideology. Is that how he sells himself, a, a real pragmatist?
2: Well, yes. His slogan was au at the same time. And he said that the old uh, polarization of French politics between right and left was was basically antiquated, that there was no reason for it anymore. We want what works, uh, you know, not ideology uh, but I think it's fair to say that he, he would fall, he, he sees himself as a centrist, but he would fall on the conservative side of the middle of the line. Uh, he's seen as a right wing president now. And yes. um, his, he, or he's seen as, I suppose, center right, although, um, the, the, certainly the left, Mélenchon and company would call him very hard right wing. Yes. Um, and he, one of his, his failings is to have, uh, a, he really decimated the, the, Les Républicains, which was south of these parties. A lot yes. of them, he did that by getting, seducing a lot of them, bringing a lot of them into his government, into his movement. Uh, people like the finance minister Bruno Le Maire and the interior minister Gérard uh, Darmanin. And so that weakened Leratoubicain, and now Leratoubicain is basically split between those who look to the far right, who would be happy to make an alliance with Marine Le Pen, and and those who are tempted by Macron, Rashida Dati, whom you may remember was a a minister, justice minister under Tarkovsky, he has been calling for Leratoubicain to join forces with Macron. So he he hasn't actually succeeded in bringing in Leratoubicain, and he needs them because he doesn't have a majority, and he needs a majority to govern. And one of he has tasked his prime minister, Élisabeth uh, Ball with enlarging the the majority, as as they put it. Uh, so, but but because he's he's so unpopular at the moment, people don't really want to join up with him, and he also has a reputation for not consulting. Uh, for, for basically disregarding his allies and even the people who, who are with him, like the former Prime Minister, Edouard Philippe, who's very popular, and Francois Bayrou and, and others have been very critical of the way he's handled the pension reform and, and they've been, they've been burned because they feel like they are not listened to and that he doesn't pay attention to them. Uh, he's just up there in, the, in his bubble in the, in the 80s, a, uh, looking down on, on France. And that's, that's how he is perceived. Um, I think, you know, maybe he's actually right about the, the need to work longer. Um, yeah. France really compete in a globalized world. Uh, but he, he hasn't handled it well. Uh, he, he's never really convinced people. And he has just this, this determined attitude I am right. And I will stick it out, and and to hell with everybody else.
0: So, it's a moment of truth for France.
2: Uh, one of many. Yes, <laughs> we seem to go from crisis to crisis in in this country. Um, it'll be very, very interesting to to see how it turns out. Uh, Macron is convinced that the the pension is now law. It hasn't been put into effect and cannot be until the Constitutional Council decides. But if the Constitutional Council upholds the law, it will take effect in September unless the violence becomes so serious that Macron backs down or compromises, and, and then, you know, we'll
0: see. Okay, Lara, thank you very much for joining us. Lara Marno is the Irish Times Paris correspondent, one of the great journalists of our time. And uh, it's a delight to have her on the program. Thanks to Lara. Thanks to all of you for listening. And that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,